You know, they were a uh, perfect couple. If you had seen them, you would have looked and said to yourself, they're perfect. They're perfect. I mean, they had it all. They ate the best of foods. They lived in the finest accommodations. They um, frolicked in a perfect climate. They had rain when they needed it, not when it came. You know, they enjoyed an intimate relationship with each other and with God. And every day was absolute paradise for this couple, at least for a little while. You know, we're talking about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had it all. They had the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, verses uh, 1 through 8. We're going to read the story. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing all good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was in the, to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig, fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So God hung out with his creation. God used to walk in the garden. He spent time with with Adam and Eve, and they had this perfect situation. It was perfect climate, perfect world, and they were given freedom to choose by a loving creator, a God that, that loved them. And yet they chose to rebel. They chose to step outside of God's benevolent boundaries. And the moment they chose to disobey, they felt vulnerable. They, they felt exposed. For the first time in their lives, they realized that they were naked. They were naked physically, emotionally, and spiritually. In a matter of moments, paradise was lost. And guess what? All of us have followed suit. We've followed them right into paradise lost, better known as earth. And we continue to rebel. We continue to disobey. And we kind of thumb our nose at God's boundaries. You know, Romans, Apostle Paul writes, he says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. You know, that we've come short. And I don't know about you, I do not need the Bible to tell me that I've fallen short. I've got a wife. (laughs) Seriously, we don't need a Bible to tell us that because we all know we've sinned. We all know we've messed up, that that we're not perfect. It's like the time I said, is there anyone perfect in the room? And, you know, just stand up. And the guy stood up and I said, are you saying you're perfect? He said, no, I'm standing for my wife's father who thinks he is. So, you know, we know we're not perfect, right? Every one of us, without exception, has missed the mark, and we know it. I mean, there's something in us that that we just, we know it. 
deep in our hearts. So what do we do? We follow Adam and Eve. And just like them, we play a little game. It's the first game in history. Oldest game in history. Hide and seek. Hide and seek. We hide from God. Adam and Eve hid from God. And we've been playing that game ever since. Hide and seek. How many of you have ever played that? My grandkids, I think I've shared this with you, that they love to play hide and seek. And they're so funny because they, they, it's usually all of them against me. And, and they're still at the age where it's, it's kind of fun. And I'm not sure, uh, especially the youngest one, he, he's two, that he totally gets it. I mean, what, what it's really about. I mean, Dason will, will like go over to the bed, and we've got a curious George. I told my wife it's life-size. She goes, well, what does that mean? He's a cartoon character. But he, he's about this tall, and he looks like this. And uh, so I go in, and everybody's hidden, and Dason's on the bed like this. You know, right next to it. One, one time I came in and he's down on all fours and he goes, Shh, Grandpa, I'm a chair. <laughs> it's my grandkid, okay? <laughs> it, it's hysterical when we play the game. And when I, when I hide, they, they'll all be on one side of the basement and then they've got to come through the door and, and enter the room where you're hiding somewhere in a couple, couple rooms. And they'll go, He's going to scare us. You go first, Dason. Now, he's the littlest one. <laughs> you go first. And, and it's funny because, you know, Isabella and Ethan, they're four and five, and they'll, they'll take, and I'll, like, I'll be under the covers on the bed, and they'll be just a few feet from me, and they'll go, I don't think he's in here. Do you think he sees us? No, he can't see us. We're okay. And then I'll reach out and grab one of them, and they scream, and they run, run around. And last time we played, we got all done. And Isabella, she goes, Grandpa, you're a really good hider. Ethan, he's getting at this age. He goes, I think he's hidden before. <laughs> you know. One aspect of the game is to hide. Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. And it would have been comical if it hadn't been so sad. Do you think he sees us? No, he can't see us. We're okay. We're all right. And I think when we look at that situation, I mean, I'm sitting there going, are you, are you kidding me? They thought they could hide from God? Give me a break. I mean, they're behind a tree and they're going to hide from God? But we get so creative when it comes to hiding from God. I mean, we, we all have different places that we like to hide. And, and that's what I want to look at today is just some places that I think we hide. I've hidden in a few of these places, and maybe you have too. I mean, I, I've, I've taken up and, uh, you know, hid here or there, and, and perhaps you've hidden here or there. And so let's look at some hiding places. One of them is a hiding place called guilt. I mean, we hide behind guilt. Guilt takes us over, it trips us up, and it becomes a motivation for life sometimes. We, we feel so bad about what we've done 
that we get motivated. We get religious. We get performance-oriented in our life. You know, i got to do better. If, if I do enough, I'll be okay. You know, if I climb a little higher, jump a little higher, maybe I can get back in good grace with God. Maybe I can get close to God again. And so we hide. We hide behind a thing called guilt. We become very performance-oriented in our lives. Some people choose to hide behind shame. You know, shame, shame's a hiding place. And it, and it looks about the same on the surface. You go, guilt, shame, but there's a big difference here. See, guilt says what I did was not good. I made this mess. Shame takes it up a notch and says, I'm no good. I have no worth in, in my life. And so we hide. We hide behind shame. We hide behind guilt because the failure is so intense that it kind of isolates us. It frustrates us. We, we hide out in a thing called depression sometimes. And we're, we're hoping that we can hide from, from God and this guilt and shame and suppress it. But friends, it doesn't really work. It doesn't really work. It's like kind of getting in a swimming pool and trying to hold down. Like if I gave you 10 tennis balls and said, keep them all underwater. And you jump in, and what happens is you can, get, you can get a couple of them underwater, but just about the time you get a few under, a few pop up, and you just can't do it. And that's how it is with guilt and shame. You know, you, you're trying to hide, but you can't really accomplish it. The bottom line is, in short order, it'll get the best of you. And, and I think we live in a society that has taken the game of hide-and-seek to, to kind of a pro level. You know, we, we hide in a, in a place called rationalization in our lives, and, and we go pro. And we think we're really original, but the reality is it's just old school. It's what Adam and Eve did. We, we analyze, we rationalize, in an attempt to explain our behavior. We lie to ourselves, and we're really, really good at it, aren't we? I mean, let's be honest. You know, Adam, Adam who'd he blame? Eve. He blamed God. You know, he said, she made me do it. You know, it was the woman that incidentally you gave me. It's your fault, God, if you hadn't given her to me. And Eve, Eve blames the evil one. She says, you know, the devil made me do it, the, the serpent. Adam and Eve were so contemporary. And, and we do the same thing. We get involved in the, in the blame game. We get caught doing something and it's like, well, I didn't do it. She caused me to do it. It wasn't my fault. It was, it was my parents' fault. I wanted a pony when I was eight. I didn't get it. And now I can't keep a job. And I steal and I cheat. And I just can't control myself. It's my mom and dad's fault. And if they'd have just got me that little pony I wanted. And friends, at some point in life, you've got to realize, you, you, rationalization, passing the buck, you know, camping out in that hiding space just doesn't work. You know, there's a hiding space that's kind of, I call it a masquerade because it's, it's so uh, ridiculous that we think we can hide by pretending. It's kind of like my grandson, you know, do the curious George pose. Nobody will see me. 
They're not going to see me. I'll pretend, I'll put on a mask, and nobody will know. I'm okay. Everything's fine. Everything is fine, 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 fine. My marriage is great. My kids are fine. My, my job, wonderful. My relationship with God, excellent. And sometimes we even hide out in a place called church or a small group and we play charades. See, we like playing games. We were convince ourselves somehow that if we say it enough times that we can convince ourselves and everyone else, we're okay. We're okay. I'm all right. You all right? I'm all right. And the reality is our relationships, what happens, they get very shallow. They get very superficial. They get dysfunctional. And if the truth were known, it gets very cold and very distant. There's another hiding place we like, and that's denial. Denial. I find it amazing that people hide out here. I mean, when you look at the evidence for God's word, you look at the evidence that's available that tells us that Jesus is the son of God, you look at the evidence, it's really overwhelming. Yet some people claim it's all a myth. You know, I don't believe it. So it's not true. We choose to hide behind this, you know, to just kind of deny everything. Well, friends, we used to believe the world was flat. How'd that one work out? You know, I mean, we can deny it. But the fact is, it doesn't make it go away. In order to avoid facing the truth, people go, well, I just don't believe it. I'm going to create my own reality. And personally, I believe that it's just some sophisticated hiding place. Because I think what happens is we get wounded really deep. And instead of venturing out, taking a chance of getting hurt again, what we do is we kind of turn off our heart and our mind, and we hide out in this denial world. You know, that way I don't have to change. You know, I don't have to grow. I don't have to allow God to work in my life. I can just live the way I want, and it's a great hiding place. But friends, if you do it long enough, what happens is you build this wall around your heart with your thoughts. And finally, intellectually, what you do is you isolate yourself from everything, and if the truth were known, intellectually you know but you can't see the truth anymore. Well, none of that's logical, you know. It's, you say it, but I think in our hearts we know that's not true. I mean, whatever reason we hide from God, I think we all think we have these great hiding places, whichever, whichever hiding spot it is that you tend to like. And we all have our favorites. Now, I can remember playing hide-and-seek as, as a kid. You know, my brother and I, mom and dad would be gone for the evening, and so we would turn the whole house into a hiding place. You know, we would have uh, these um, just amazing nights of hide-and-seek. I can remember them like they were yesterday. And uh, I can remember my, my brother. My brother wasn't very good at hiding, but one time I looked everywhere in the house for him, and I couldn't find him. And finally, for the first time in the history of Olympics hide-and-seek competition, 
in the talking in household. I put down the Nerf balls, and I said, I give up. And my brother pushes his hand up through the toys in the toy box, and he's waving at me. And I thought, man, that's a great hiding place. That's a great one. Friends, you need to hear this. Do you think your hiding place is really good? But God is a relentless seeker. He's really good at this game. And God will not give up till he's turned over every rock, every tree, opened every toy box in your life trying to find you. God's not going to give up. He's, he's not going to drag you out of your hiding place. In other words, wherever you're hiding at, he's not going to come drag you out. But God is going to ask you over and over and over again to come out. Genesis 3, 9 says, But the Lord called to the man and said, What's it say? Where are you? Three words that are power-packed. Where are you? You notice God didn't say, I never want to see you again. Don't even think about coming out. You are in so much trouble. You can go hide for the rest of your life. See if I care. I'm through with you. No, God didn't say that, did he? God said, where are you? God didn't ignore Adam and Eve. He didn't cut them loose. God came looking for them, searching for them. And you need to know how futile and pointless it is to try and hide from God. I mean... Did Adam really think he could hide behind a tree from God? I mean, I'm thinking, God made the tree, you know, but you're going to hide behind it? You can hide. Here's what you need to remember. Take this home with you today. It's a freebie. You can hide from my grandkids, but you can't hide from God. You can hide from everyone else, but you can't hide from God because he knows where you are, he knows what you're doing, he knows what you're thinking, he knows what you're going through. I mean, he knows. He knows all that. Isaiah wrote it this way. Isaiah 29 says, Woe to those who try to hide their plans from God, who try to keep him in the dark concerning what they do. God can't see us, they say to themselves. God doesn't know what's going on. My grandkids, do you think he sees us? Nah, he can't see us. We're okay. And Isaiah says, how stupid do you think God is? You can't hide from God. You know, Hebrews, Paul Paul writes, Hebrews 4, says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of the one to whom we must give an account. I mean, David, David figured this out. David writes in Psalms, he says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths, you're there. If I go to the dawn, you're there. If I go to the far side of the sea, you're there, God. The reality is you can run, but you can't hide. 
God knows what you're doing. God knows where you're going. God knows what path you're on. And some of you are playing on the edge. You know, he wants to save you the experience and the consequence of sin. I mean, I may not know. Your neighbor may not know. Your spouse may not know. Your friends may not know. But friends, God knows. God knows. God knows what you're struggling with. Maybe you're struggling with uh, honesty. Maybe uh, it's a temper that's out of control. Maybe it's a negative attitude that, you know, is kind of poisoning everyone around you. You know, maybe it's you're thinking about bailing on your family, you know, having an affair. Maybe it's a battle with, with lust or pornography is consuming you. You know, maybe you're dealing with greed or, or pushing that envelope. You know, maybe, maybe some of you right now are thinking about rebelling against your parents. Maybe you're on the brink of losing control, you know, gambling, alcohol, drugs. You know, maybe it's got it control of you. Some of you right now are playing a game because you're going, whew, he didn't name my thing. Whew, I'm good. Okay, here's the deal. Fill in the blank. Fill it in with whatever it is. Quit playing games because you know where you are and so does God. You're not hiding from anybody. You're not fooling yourself and you're not fooling God. You're just fooling everybody else around you, maybe. You know, God desperately wants you to know that he loves you. He wants to find you. He wants to put you back on track. He wants you to have that abundant life. I mean, Jesus explained how great God's love is for us what lengths God would go to to find us. I love this story in Luke. Uh, the lost sheep. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, he rejoices, putting it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls all of his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I mean, Jesus concludes the the parable and says, that's how heaven is. You know, there's going to be great rejoicing when someone who was lost is found. God lives to find people, to, to find people that are off track, that are wondering, that are tripped up. This church is foundational for us. You know, we grow as Christians so we can reach lost people. You know, God leaves everything and looks for the one that's lost. And friends, God doesn't give up on this one. He will look and look and look and look. And when you think he's not going to look anymore, he just keeps looking. And when he finally finds, there's a great party. And God's really good at this game. Really good. And I've got a theory. It's just a theory. But I think all of us, wherever we're hiding out, that we really want to be found. Don't we? True? Don't you think that's true? I mean, I can remember as a kid, you know, the whole, uh, that was back when communities were communities and uh, you knew everybody on your block and all the kids got together and, and played. And I can remember we'd play hide and seek. And we would hide, and then I'd get a really good hiding space, 
and nobody would find me. Now, now what happens after a while when, when nobody's finding you? You get panicked. You know, what if they never find me? I could be out here forever. You know, you're hiding under the deck or something. And it's like, is anybody going to see me? Hey, look over here, somebody. And so what do you do? What do you do? You're hiding. Shh. <coughs> Make some noise. Still nothing. Maybe stick a foot out. And then finally, if that's not working, it's like, over here, over here, hey, over here. Knock something over. I mean, it's fun to hide for a little while. But at some point, it gets really old. And deep down in all of our hearts, I think we want to be found. We want God to find us. You know, I believe Adam and Eve wanted to be found. God, God asked them, where are you? Where are you? And Genesis 3.10, it says, what's the first two words? He answered. Adam exposed his heart. Friends, when you hide and you don't want to be found, you do not answer. Adam answered. He says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. In other words, he says, God, I'm over here. Hey, over here. I feel exposed. I feel guilty. I feel alone. I know things aren't right between us, God, are they? I'm over here. Over here. I need to be found. David. David was a roller coaster ride in his life. David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had had Bathsheba's husband murdered. And guilt's chewing him up. And he tries to play the game of hide and seek. He tries to hide behind a thing called guilt. He tries to cover things up. And then at a point, he just says, search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me. Know my thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. In other words, David says, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to cover my tracks. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired. I'm over here, God. Over here. Do you see me? He says, see if there's any offensive way in me. Look for me. I mean, God, I need you to find me. Friends, secret sin and peace don't coexist. We need, we need to be found. He says, God, search me. Search me. You know, while I, I kept my body silent. Why I kept silent? Let's try that again. Why I kept silent? My body wasted away through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped 
as in the heat of summer. Sila, which means pause, think about things. He says, he thinks, he's pausing. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And he forgave the guilt of my sin. I think we all want to be found. Inside our hearts, I think it just screams, I really want to be found. I'm tired of playing this game of hide and seek. You know, Jeremiah God says this in Jeremiah 29. If you will seek me, you will find me. And if you seek me, if you seek me with all your heart. I heard a story a while back, a woman by the name of Tammy Harris. She was 21 years old. And uh, she had been raised by a wonderful family, but she always wondered about her biological mother, and she had been searching for her for, for years and extremely frustrated with the whole process. And there are two things that she didn't know. One, her biological mother had been searching for her for years. And the second thing she didn't know, she had been working with her biological mother at a convenience store for almost a year. And uh, it was one day, as they overheard each other's conversations, they began to piece it together. And she said it was the happiest day of her life when she realized that and that they hugged and they just celebrated that day. And friends, God has been looking for you your entire life. You hide, but God looks and seeks God's standing at the the gate. What do you say when you want everybody to come in at the end of hide and seek? Ollie, Ollie Oxenfree. I mean, anybody tired of hiding? It's a defining moment in life when you just come out of hiding. I mean... We used to say at the end of the game, come out, come out, wherever you are. Come out, come out, wherever you are. And friends, I guarantee you, if you can get the strength to just step out of your hiding place and start a relationship with Jesus Christ, allow God to infiltrate that space You know, come clean with whatever it is that's keeping you from moving forward in your Christian walk. If you just quit hiding, God will find you. And God will celebrate. And and get this. There's something very freeing. You know, we could go around this morning and people go, you know what, I finally came out of hiding and it was the most freeing thing that ever happened in my life. I'd challenge you. It's a game we all play, isn't it? I still like playing with the grandkids, but I don't like playing hide-and-seek with God. Let's stand for a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, we... We get so creative. 
trying to hide from you, trying to cover our tracks, trying to do our own thing. God, I just pray that you would give us the strength, the wisdom to just take a step out. God, I thank you that you're a God that loves us so much that you're willing to forgive us. You're willing to push it all aside to rejoice with us. God, forgive us when we play this game. God, I thank you that you're always waiting to find us. We give you the glory. We give you the praise that stand every day. Amen.